Welcome back, everyone. Dr. B here, your host for another episode of Ask the Dentist. A small bite today at, at Ask the Dentist, at least for the last 10 years since we've been doing this, my team and I, blogging, Instagramming, you name it, writing books, posting information about oral health. Our essential task or our, our mission has always even if not well-defined in the beginning, has always been to democratize dental care. And of course, the internet has allowed us to do that. It's allowed you to soak up all sorts of information all over the web. And and again, I appreciate you listening and, and absorbing a lot of the information that we've been putting out there. I do believe it is the best information out there on oral health not the best, but among the best. And of course, there's a lot of misinformation out there on the web about oral health as well. I I may touch on that a little bit. I try not to be derogatory or say bad things about anything, about a product, about what someone is saying. I just don't think that should be part of the message. When they go low, I would like to stay high or continue going higher and, and just keep educating you and giving you the reasons why this message that we've been talking about for so long on Ask the Dentist is the correct one. And again, I try and justify everything I say. So again, back to democratizing, and that not only involves information, getting the information out there, not necessarily having to wait until you see your dentist once or twice a year, or for those who can't afford to see a dentist, don't see a dentist as often, not having to wait until that visit. And, and during that visit, there's a lot going on and your mouth is full of stuff, instruments and rubber dams and and liquids and materials and, and etc. So it's very hard to have a discussion with your dentist or even for even with your registered dental hygienist. Although I would argue that the best time to ask your questions is while you're having your biannual cleaning and because that is really the the a good registered dental hygienist uh, someone who cleans your teeth is going to put aside time for dental education we have a term for it and we do have usually 10 minutes uh, uh, put aside for that specifically and i would always recommend it if you have any questions write them down put them on your iphone Have them written down somewhere so that you won't forget and you can rattle them off quickly and and get get answers to, to your questions. And you may not always like the answer you get based on what you hear on the web. For example, a lot of people are asking about fluoride. Is it safe? And a lot of uh, many dentists and hygienists will say it's fine. And of course, you've read and seen and heard me talk about the problems with fluoride. And I think, fortunately, this year will be the year where it's decided in the courts. In fact, that's coming up in late January. But again, again, back to democratizing dental care. It it allows you, the patient, and again, we're all patients at some point in time, to make the right decisions and not necessarily to have to rely on a professional. And and the old the old model, again, my father was a physician. The old model was trust your physician, trust trust the professional. I used to have a little, I don't know where I got it from, but it was a post-it note pad and on it on the very top section as you peel away each post-it and write notes on it, it said, trust me, I'm a professional. And I always thought that was kind of funny. I didn't, I mean, I guess it's meant to be funny, right? But there's some truth behind it. It's like, really, be careful who you put your trust in 
And as you've heard me say, professionals are very well educated to the point where that's all they have. They're not thinking out of the box, and they are thinking based on what they were taught to do and think and say. And that's not always bad, but sometimes it can be bad because the curriculums, the professional curriculums don't keep up with the latest research. Typically, they're about 20 to 15 years behind that research. And again, that's why you listen to me, and that's why you read blog posts on Ask the Dentist, and that's why you're following me on Instagram. You are hungry for this for this information, this up-to-date information. And the up-to-date information sometimes is in direct contrast with what we've been taught in dental school and what you've been taught or told by your dentist. Anyway, I don't want to digress too much on that. What we're going to talk about, and again, it relates back to democratizing dental care, is dental varnish. This has always been kind of a super-duper strong formula of fluoride, typically up to actually more, but let's just use 25,000 parts per million of fluoride as the typical concentration of a fluoride gel. The fluoride gel was applied after your dental cleaning, after your teeth were very clean, the dental hygienist would use an ultrasonic cleaner. They would hand scale your teeth. They would floss your teeth, irrigate the pockets. They, they are probably the cleanest they've ever been at least twice a year. And that's when they apply this very strong remineralizing agent with fluoride in it. But it also has a lot of other things in it that are problematic. Propylene glycol, hexane, other, other very strong ingredients to the point where children react very violently to the fluoride varnish. We have a name for it in dentistry. It's called fluoride face or FF. Sometimes kids will vomit in the office. It tastes so bad. These chemicals are, are they're resins. They put a resin in this varnish so that it sticks to the teeth and keeps exposing your demineralized areas, the areas of the teeth that are lacking in hydroxyapatite, calcium, phosphate, chloride ions, boron, you name it. All these minerals that the teeth are made up of, and the longer it's on there, the better. At least that's the thinking. Fluoride does remineralize teeth very well. I'm not going to get into all the details and compare it to hydroxyapatite, but I will say that fluoride is very toxic, even given topically to the human brain, especially in the target audience in this category of varnish. Varnish is typically paid for by insurance, almost unanimously paid for by insurance up until age 14, twice a year. And it is a big moneymaker for dentists. I'm not against that. That's not a negative or derogatory statement, but I'll come back to that later. It, it does add $100,000, $150,000 to the bottom line of total production in a dental office, sometimes more. It depends. It can be given to adults, people that patients that have sensitive teeth, that have had chemotherapy, or adult orthodontics. These are all areas of the mouth that need a lot of help with remineralizing. And fluoride does do that well. It does it more superficially. It, it has a brittle finish, a wavy surface. There, there are issues, but it does remineralize tooth structure. We do have proof of that. And it's not the same as ingesting fluoride. That's a different mechanism. And again, I'm not going to discuss that. So, But let's, let's get back to this varnish. Wouldn't it be nice if this varnish was available to the general public and you wouldn't have to wait for your cleanings or have to pay out of pocket for it or 
your insurance company would need to have to pay for it. The problem with that is that at 24,000 parts per million, you cannot release this to the public. If it's swallowed by a child, for example, it, it can cause quite a bit of harm, including to the teeth. It can make you very, very sick. It, it, there is a poison control number that you would call if you were to swallow this, this varnish. If used incorrectly or inappropriately, again, it's for professional use, mostly because of the fluoride. But what if, and there are many reasons why we, we, we would want to remove fluoride from this varnish, even if you're at the dentist, and again, it goes back to harm to the brain, but what if the new varnish, which does now exist here in the U.S., I'll talk more about that, what if there was no fluoride in that varnish and it had fewer or, or none of those very toxic chemicals in it, would you then be allowed to use it at home? And the answer is complicated. I was going to, about to say yes. Um, uh, it's complicated because there's really no regulation on this other than if it does have fluoride in it. Um, so if it has fluoride in it, no. You can only buy this professionally. You need to prove that you have an active dental license and it is to be used in a professional office. However, if there was a varnish with something that was as good or better than fluoride at remineralizing your teeth and it only had chemicals in it or substances in it that were pretty neutral or clean. Again, nothing's perfect, but way better than propylene glycol, which by the way has been banned in Europe, although it's in most uh, varnishes here in the US. If it was free of all those things, why not take it home? It is stronger than regular toothpaste when it comes to remineralization. It's stronger than fluoridated toothpaste at home. It's stronger than regular toothpaste with hydroxyapatite in it, whether it's nano or micro, it is quite a bit stronger. There are other things that are added, like in, in this specific varnish that I'm referring to, L-arginine, for example, which helps, uh, it helps the process of remineralization. It also helps bolster the, the health and the integrity of the biofilm, which is the organ, maybe that's an overstatement, but it's the, it's the, part of the layer that sits on the tooth that helps activate and promote remineralization. Biofilm is important. Biofilms can become dysbiotic, too thick. They can become very dysfunctional. If they're commensal and they're working well in the oral microbiome, within that biofilm is, is uh, symbiotic, is another term, then it's going to work well for you. That biofilm should exist. The body lays down a biofilm on a tooth as soon as it erupts into the mouth. And if you polish it off at the dentist with a pumice polish or a fluoride pumice polish, which often is done after you're cleaning, the last thing that is done, typically it gets rid of stains, tea stains, coffee, wine stains, that removes the pellicle. But again, the body, again, it comes from the saliva mostly. It lays down another biofilm on this inanimate hard surface called enamel that's in your mouth. And there's a reason for that. The biofilm protects the tooth. So next time you brush aggressively, you have a very strong abrasive toothbrush, you're using a toothpaste that has a very high RDA value, a relative dentinal abrasivity value. If it's over 50, I would question what you're doing. You're scrubbing down a biofilm, trying to remove it when actually you need it. The question is, is how does it come back when it grows back? And again, that happens within 10, 20 minutes. 
So again, does this varnish exist? Wouldn't it be great if you could take it home? And fortunately, it does exist. It's a product that Dr. Stacy and I and my daughter have uh, formulated and produced, manufactured. It is available on fig.com. That's F-Y-G-G, feedyourgoodguys.com. Many of you that are listening right now know about it. But here's what we decided to do. Initially, it was going to be available only to dentists. And then we thought to ourselves... Why? Why are we doing this? It doesn't have fluoride in it, so it does not need a professional license to purchase. Why not make it available to the general public and teach them how to use it? You can still go to your dentist. You can still have dental insurance pay for it. We've we've taught a lot of our providers that are on our directory on how to bill for this. There are new codes that are available as of 2024. These are ADA and CDA codes, California Dental Association, American Dental Association codes that allow dentists to bill for this. And that means, and again, follow the money, the money trail. If you allow dentists to bill for something and and it's a new product and it allows them to remove fluoride from their protocol or from their shelves in, in their stock room and back, then it's more likely to happen. And that's exactly what we did. As far as we know, this is the first attempt at making and selling and providing to dentistry and now to the public a dental varnish. So a dental varnish is stronger than toothpaste. It has a different consistency. It's a little stickier. We did not put resins in our in our varnish because resins have BPA and methyl methacrylates and, and other things in it that we don't want to expose our kids to. And it does have a very strong remineralizing activity to it, better in some regards than a regular toothpaste with hydroxyapatite in it, and certainly better than a fluoride varnish, even a fluoride varnish. And again, I won't get into the science on that. It, it has a deeper penetration, smoother surface, higher re- reflectivity uh, on the tooth surface, many, many benefits to that. And, and of course, there's always controversy. When we launched our toothpaste, there were a lot of toothpaste manufacturers that really weren't prepared for, for us, for, for, for seeing a toothpaste released by oral microbiome practitioners, something that is now oral microbiome friendly. It's a different concept. It has a different form of nanohydroxyapatite in it that's in solution, along with chloride, ions, and phosphate ions so that it doesn't aggregate. If you add just powder and, and nanohydroxyapatite and micro, which is just normal ground up calcium hydroxyapatite from bone, from coral, it can be synthesized in a big pot by adding salt and letting it aggregate or crystallize actually is the word. There are many different sources, but again, I would stay away from the bone sources because bone collects lead, of course. But a synthetic version of hydroxyapatite, whether it's micro, which is just a normal ground-up size, over 100 nanometers in size, or a nano version, it has to be in solution when added to toothpaste. Otherwise, these particles clump together. And that's called aggregation. And then they lose the their their ability to be taken up in very, very small areas that have decalcified in, in the tooth, including tubules, uh, that's on the root surface, dental tubules, those are little small openings. 
and also small pits and areas where calcium has been lost from the tooth. You want those sizes to be around 40 to 60 nanometers. You want a specific size, a ratio, uh, a ratio of three, three to one. You also want a rod-shaped nanohydroxyapatite particle, and you want it in solution. And as far as I'm concerned, or as far as I know, there's only one source for this, and that is from Portugal. And it's made by a company. It's on, we, we proudly advertise the fact that they are the manufacturer of our nano and micro hydroxyapatite. It's got a, a label on the back of our tube. It's the company's name is Fluidi Nova. The product's name is Nanoxum. And it works. And there's lots of studies that support this specific product. The main reason we picked it was because of its safety. Nano gets a bad name. And by the way, a nano-sized hydroxyapatite particle is digestible. Nano silver, nano titanium dioxide, nano... There, there are several nano products that are not digestible. So remember that nano hydroxyapatite is digestible. It breaks down and dissolves into calcium. I'm not saying that nanosilver doesn't have any beneficial action in the mouth. It does. I'm not going to get into that. There are some times in someone's life where if they have extreme decay, nothing's working, they need a reset, or they're losing teeth rapidly to, due to decay, that a nanosilver does work. I'm just worried about where that nanosilver ends up. There are a lot of products out there that use nanosilver. It is on the rise. There's a lot of research that says it works very, very well, specifically and very discriminately against certain bacteria, and that's great. But again, realize that we're not sure what happens to whatever activity that nanosilver has, and there's plenty of it, I'm not going to get into it, but it can affect cellular functions, and that's how it kills certain cells. But once that nanosilver is... Is, has been used, where does it end up and what tissue is it affecting? That's the only question I'm asking about nanosilver. Again, you know that I'm a little paranoid and very, very safe about these things. And it's always a lesser of two evils argument. That's the way it was for me for many, many decades before we had research on fluoride. It just didn't make sense. It concerned me. And I removed fluoride from our drinking water in the family and my kids, my three daughters were raised without fluoride. Turns out that was the right decision to make. Thank goodness. But anyway, so back to this varnish. So it has nanohydroxyapatite in it. It has micro. It has a little glycerin. There's nothing wrong with glycerin, by the way. I have a podcast episode on why glycerin has been vilified incorrectly by one person back in the 50s that had no right in discussing this because his background was in, in mechanical engineering, some some other area. His expertise was 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 great, wonderful, but he shouldn't have been really speaking about it. It was not in oral health, and he had not done any research. And glycerin's been in use for a long time. It dissolves. It's 100% soluble. It does not coat the teeth and prevent remineralization. There are other substances that do, but glycerin is not one of them. So this can be applied. It comes in a special tube. It has a very small opening and nozzle because it is expensive, unfortunately. It's expensive to make. Dentists, of course will buy it. And then I think there are over 60, 70 applications per tube for a dentist. And of course, they're charging 50 or 60 or $70 per application. So it makes sense for them. But here's where it makes sense for someone at home. Let's say you have a high decay rate. 
you've had some chemotherapy, some radiation therapy, you have a very dry mouth, you are a, an elderly person where saliva flow has decreased, which is normal as we age. Let's say you have children that have a very high decay rate. It's out of control. Let's say you have someone that ha in the family that has braces, whether it's an adult or a child. These are, let's say you have sensitive teeth. Let's say it's one sensitive tooth. These are all areas that can be resolved and, and by the application of varnish. Again, it is much stronger. It is, it, it's, it, the, Initial concentration of nanohydroxyapatite is, is around, again, don't quote me on this. I'll, I'll put a, a study or a notation in the show notes. I think we start off at around 60%. By the time it's mixed into the varnish, it's down to about 8.6%. And, and again, you'll see a lot of toothpaste out there that have a micro or some nano powder in it at 10%. And there's one study that supports that, but there's aggregation of those particles who are not actually typically nano once they're in toothpaste. There's a lot of controversy out there about what is the right percentage. Don't focus on that. Focus on how it's bundled together, how bioavailable it is. I would prefer that it's in liquid bonded with other ions, cations, uh, and other minerals, and also make sure that it's safe. Make sure that it has the right ratio in terms of length and also the right shape, rod-shaped, is very, very important. That is now considered to be safe by organizations, clinicians, researchers in Europe. It's the SCCS ruling on the safety of nanohydroxyapatite. No other form has that certification. Not yet. I'm not saying that they won't, but right now, no one other than the Fluidinova version of hydroxyapatite nano has that certification. So again, you if you have a tray at home, if you have Invisalign aligners, if you want to whiten your teeth without using the oxidation method, the oxidizing effect of, of hydrogen peroxide, which you've heard me talk about, that, that should be your last resort. If you have a sleep appliance, anything that places, is placed over your teeth, you can selectively place some of the gel into the whole tray. I would put a dot per tooth of the varnish, or if there's a specific tooth that is very sensitive, place a dot of this varnish in that aspect of the tray. You may have to do a little counting to see which one it is. Count from the back. Maybe have your dentist help you identify which tooth that is, or your hygienist, and then, then that way you can load the tray correctly. If you, have, if you have braces as an adult or child, I would definitely be using a varnish. A lot of decalcification, uh, decalcification goes on around the bracket, whether it's a stainless steel bracket or a composite bracket. And that can leave a permanent squarish decalcified kind of mark on your teeth. It can also cause decay around the bracket where you'll need some bonding after the brackets come off. Again, if you have sensitive teeth, dry mouth, if you've had any kind of cancer therapy, which knocks down saliva flow, at least for a, a short time, uh, use this as a remineralizing paste. It is stronger than toothpaste. If you have, a, if you have sensitive teeth, if you're drinking a lot of electrolytes, some of those electrolyte drinks are, have a very low pH. If you're a wine drinker, a coffee drinker, if your teeth are constantly sensitive, use this instead of toothpaste. Yes, it is more expensive, but use it sparingly. And within two to three days, you will see a difference with the, the desensitizing action. 
Anyway, so again, we've we've made this available. Some dentists are upset that we've done this. They feel that they've been that their territory has been violated, that their income has been impacted. I don't think that's going to happen. Many of the functional dentists that we have in our directory are very excited about this. They will have it in stock. They will sell it to you so that you can use it between dental visits. And when you come in, they will apply it professionally. They'll give you some advice on how to apply it at home. And they will bill your insurance for it. So no, nothing's been lost. I mean, we're in in this together. We, we shouldn't be protecting dentists at the cost of the public. That, that just doesn't seem right. But anyway, definitely getting some flack on that. And I understand that. But every decision I make or that we make at Ask the Dentist is, is more about what is best for everyone. And Well, actually, I take that back. It's really what is best for the patient. And in the end, that's good for the practitioner. And in this case, I think that easily applies and uh, it'll work out for everyone. So anyway, the varnish is available. As, as far as I know, it is the first varnish available without fluoride in it. Um, again, there are codes for it. The industry is aware that fluoride, the reign of fluoride may come to an end. Again, that's that lawsuit against the EPA that's going to wrap up. Uh, probably beginning of this February. That's in a few weeks. Uh, I will be there reporting on that. I'm very excited about that. I've been waiting for that moment for a long, long time, over um, five, six decades. And I'm, I'm hoping that the judge will see it the correct way and will not be swayed by large corporations, by lobbyists. The data is overwhelming on how this is harming our our children, future generations. It's about time we stop doing that. And we have a great alternative. We have a varnish and it works well. So, and I'm sure there will be other varnishes on the market. I've heard a lot of rumors that the, the big corporations are gearing up and they will have products as well. Hopefully they're as clean as ours, but these products are going to become available. The question is, will they be available to you, the end user, the patient, Will there be a kind of a firewall and will it only be available to the professional? And I, and I hope not because now it's safe. There's no worry about fluoride uh, ingestion. So you can ingest this varnish. It's not going to cause any damage and it works really, really well on all the things that I discussed about remineralizing teeth. So anyway, I hope that explains our, our decision at Ask the Dentist, also at FIG. Again, I made that decision with Dr. Stacy, who's a pediatric dentist. We did query a lot of other functional dentists, and most of them were on board. They understand how important this is. And my prediction is that this is where toothpaste is going to go. It's going to be expensive. Maybe we can lower our costs. We're always looking at that. But I think toothpaste will have stronger versions of the nanoxum formula in it. Nanoxum is expensive because it's really well made. It's in solution. It is synthetic, by the way. It does not come from bone, bovine bones, cows, cow bones. Um, Hydroxyapatite has been in use for a long, long time in the medical industry. Grafting also for implants. And it's, it's really a, a great product, but it has to be a good version. I truly believe that Nanohydroxyapatite needs to be inspected before it's sold to a manufacturer. X-ray analysis is probably the best way. A lot of X-ray analysis 
of of these micro and even nano versions that come from bone are finding a lot of other products in them a lot of metals and and a, a, a lot of even arsenic and, and things like that so it's really important to know who makes your nano hydroxyapatite as well as your micro hydroxyapatite anyway i would try buying this if you have any questions again i apologize for the price it, it is it is high but it is aggressively priced against every other varnish out there. And arguably, it is more expensive to make than what our competitors make, have been making for decades with fluoride in it. But we thought that would be a great place to start, and we're trying to find ways to make this more available in greater quantities at a lower cost to the patient. And I, again, as, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, I think this will end up being the new toothpaste not for everyone, but for people that have special needs when it comes to oral health. And this is the beginning varnish that was only available at the dentist that had fluoride in it, that now has a safer remineralization product in it, will now become available, is available to the public, and it's going to morph into a new category of toothpaste. In fact, they may not even call it a varnish. They'll call it professional toothpaste or super duper supercharged doped heavily doped with hydroxyapatite toothpaste and and I think that's where the market will go and I think you're going to see a lot of interesting things happening in the next few years and a lot of very effective products coming out just make sure they're clean and make sure you trust the people who are making these products again if you have any questions about this varnish please reach out to me on Instagram. You can DM me. We do have a video of how to place it. It was a video that was geared towards professionals. It's how most professionals would apply a varnish, but it's easily done by someone at home. Again, I would encourage you to bring in a tube and have your hygienist show you how you would apply this yourself or to your child. And again, you could watch the hygienist apply it to your child and easily do that at home. Here's one more application of this varnish. You may be seeing a dentist that you absolutely love. Clinically, they're fantastic, and there's so many of them, but they still are providing or, or recommending fluoride. And if you say no to that, a lot of you have been shamed or been sometimes told to go elsewhere. Yes, that does happen. It doesn't need to happen anymore. Tell them you brought your own varnish, you're willing to provide it, and... And the, from there, it should it should go well for you. You will still have that ability to remineralize your teeth after they're at their cleanest, after the hygienist has cleaned your teeth, and there's no need for shaming. And maybe even then, eventually, that dentist will take a look at it and see that it works, see that it is very effective, and always provide that to their patients as an alternative to fluoride. That's where we're going. Everyone, folks, that's where we're going. We're going to a place where fluoride is on its way out and hydroxyapatite is the next best thing or alternative to fluoride because it works. And you're going to see more and more of it available, not necessarily yet on the shelves of Target or Whole Foods, but certainly via the internet, direct-to-customer type of businesses, and of course, that'll all change. And you're also going to see a lot of products becoming available that have hydroxyapatite in them, like cements, crown cements. You're going to see plastic fillings that leach out hydroxyapatite as they age in the mouth. You're going to see a lot of exciting new products coming. Guarantee it.
Anyway, thanks so much for listening. If you are afraid of being fluoride shamed, again, we've done episodes on that. Go see a functional dentist and call ahead. There have been some instances where that functional dentist is still selling fluoride varnishes or, or the, 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 the procedure of applying a varnish after the cleaning. And I'm not sure why that is. To me, if, if a dentist is, has fluoride in the office, they don't get it. There are a lot of products out there, for example, that have hydroxyapatite and fluoride. A lot of these are formulated by dentists. They don't get it. The reason we don't want fluoride, it's not because it doesn't work. It's because of the damage it does to the brain. And combining those two products or offering them as a dentist at your office means you don't get it. You, you haven't read the, the latest research. That research now is 15 years old. They just haven't caught up or they still believe kind of the, 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 old, the old guard, and that is that fluoride is the biggest contributor to public health which it's not. In fact, it, it's probably the opposite. Anyway, try the varnish. DM me if you have any questions. I will put a link in that on that video on how to apply it. Apply a little dot per tooth in your Invisalign trays. That should work well. I would use it after you flossed and brushed. Make sure your teeth are nice and clean. Dry your teeth a little bit by drawing a lot of air in. Quick, quick intake of air like that, and then pop the tray in and leave them in at night. That's what I do with my oral appliance for sleep. And there are times when my teeth are more sensitive than usual, typically in the winter when I'm skiing, if I'm using a lot of electrolytes because I'm very active, mountain biking or working out a lot. Those are times when I know something will happen or I'm beginning to feel the cold sensitivity and I load up my trays with the varnish and I'm good immediately after the, the tray comes out. That's how quickly it can work if you're using it routinely. Again, hope that helps. I hope that explains a lot. Uh, a lot of you have been asking about it a lot. And again, thank you so much for all of the, the support and the thank you so much for bringing this out and for doing this. I, I really, that means a lot to us. Again, it's all about democratizing dental care. That's why we're here. You're going to see a lot more of it come from Ask the Dentist and certainly a lot more coming from Fig. We've got some great ideas for products in, in the pipeline coming soon to you. Again, many, many thanks. Again, if you are looking for a functional dentist, again, call. I would call ahead. It doesn't happen often, but call ahead. Make sure they don't offer fluoride. And, and if you have heard good things about that dentist, you bring your own varnish. It works quite well. And if they are okay with that, then that, I would say that's a dentist that you can, you can work with. Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, that directory, by the way, is at askthedentist.com slash directory. Thanks for listening. We will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to Ask the Dentist. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Mike Fry. Drop me a line at mark at askthedentist.com. If you have any comments or suggestions, I'd love to hear them. And if you liked this episode, please leave us a review on your podcast app. Thanks for listening and especially for taking an interest in oral health. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. 
just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a dentist, doctor, or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner. If you're looking for a functional dental care provider, you can visit askthedentist.com directory and search or find a dentist database. It's important that you have someone in your corner who's trained, is a licensed healthcare practitioner, and can help you make changes, especially when it comes to your health.